But we're looking at while we wait. And this is week four in the series of looking at Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. At the beginning of Matthew 24, the, the disciples are having this conversation with Jesus about what will be the sign of the end of the times. In fact, they ask him three questions. What will be the sign of the end of the times? What will be the sign that you're coming and when will you return? Three questions. And Jesus says of that last question, only the Father knows. I don't even know. It sounds like a conversation between husbands and wives. Like the husband said, I just be where I'm supposed to be when my wife tells me where I need to be. But look, um, we've got a marriage series coming up so you can sort all that out then. But Jesus says, I don't even know when I'm coming. Only the Father knows. And then after they ask that question, he goes in to give five parables or five stories of what we should do while we wait for his return. Five different things. And so in the first week, um, Joel led the way and the, the story was about the thief in the night. And the take home was that we need to keep watch. and We need to, keep, we need to know that Jesus is returning. Um, and then Beck took on week two, the wise and the foolish servants in charge of feeding the people in the house. And Beck's two top tips were know your purpose and keep your eye on the prize. Last week, Ewan took on the third parable, which was about the ten bridesmaids. There were five foolish and five wise. The five wise had oil in their lamps. The five foolish didn't bring enough. And his top tip was be self-feeders. Keep your spiritual life replenished and full. And this week is called the parable of the bags of gold. Now, I've got to tell you, this is one of my favourite scriptures in the whole Bible. And you'll find out why in a minute. But let's just read it through together, shall we? It's coming up on the screen. Matthew, we're reading Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Again. It will be like a man going on a journey, that's Jesus, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. I mean, who does that? If you're going on a holiday, do you leave someone in charge of your money? No, not really. But this is what happened here. And actually, it wasn't uncommon in those days for a master to go away and leave his servants in charge of everything that he owned. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another he gave two, and to another one bag each according to his own ability. And that word means moral power and excellence of soul. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. They're putting what they had to work and it's okay for you to put what you have to work. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, again, the whole series is about delay. There's a delay. <laughs> um, the master of those servants returned, that's Jesus' return, and settled accounts with them. Jesus is returning with an account to settle with you. Verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with these five bags and see, I've gained five more. 
And his master replied, well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied again, well done, good and faithful servant. (laughs) Glasses. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew where that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would at least have received it back with some interest. So then the ba- take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Does it sound fair? For whoever has will be given more. Say more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the dark where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow, what a story. You know, when I first got saved... 20 years ago this year, actually, two decades of living my life with Jesus. I've been a Christian now longer than I haven't been. If you do the math, you'll figure out that I'm having a big birthday next year. But um, when I got saved 20 years ago, there was this uh, movement of thought going around Christian circles that everything that you did, you had to wait on the Lord for. You had to wait. You weren't allowed to take a step without praying and seeking God for hours to say, should I do that thing which I have in my heart to do? And for a person like me, that caused great tension. I was like, well, do I, do I sit and pray and wait to do just the big things or the, the small things too? Like, do I need to pray about what I eat today or what I wear today? Or do I just need to pray about where I go where I get a job or things like that. So there was a lot of confusion in my life at that time about what do I need to pray for and wait for and seek God for and what can I just do? And so when I first heard this story, this light turned on in my brain and all of a sudden I realised that not only was I allowed to go, but actually God had, had an expectation that I would. God was saying through this parable, I've invested in you and I want a return on my investment. So all of a sudden, my life turned on its head and I understood that the servants in this parable were actually doing as they saw fit. 
to increase the kingdom of God. They weren't sitting around praying, asking whether they could use their talents. God was like, you better be. You better be using those things that I put in you. I want to tell you this morning that the kingdom's definition of stewardship is this. That God handed everything over to us. His wealth. His power. His presence. His authority and his provision to bring heaven to earth. That's kingdom's definition of stewardship. Heaven is in us. We don't need to look to heaven for provision because he's already given it all. We already have everything that we need to appropriate God's will for heaven to come to earth. He gave all of his wealth to the servants of the house and he left. It's already in you, church. It's in you. Not only has he handed it over, he's very trusting, don't you think? He's not a ma- he's not master. He's not a master that's lording it over you. He's not micromanaging the way that you use his talents. He's freely given them to you to use how we see fit. I think God's crazy. I want to say, God, don't trust me with these things. Don't trust me with your wealth, with your power, with your presence, with your Holy Spirit, with your authority. Who knows what I might do? But he's gone, whew, and walked out of the building. He's everything. He's everything. Now you do it. You take the kingdom of God and you increase it with what I've put in you. Amen. So um, I got my license on the day that I was 17. Millie, could you pass me a tissue, honey? And I couldn't wait to get my license. And um, I had a bit of a car history. You know, I started started with a $500 Gemini that um, had a coat hanger holding the bumper on. And uh, broke down on my 18th birthday on the freeway. That was a shame. And then moved on and I ended up with a really good car actually. And I didn't, imp- didn't really appreciate it at the time. But it was like a 1975, was older than me, um, Toyota um, Corona. It was a solid beast, y'all. It was like that really heavy tank kind of metal that none of our cars are made out of these days. It was solid and it, it ran like a dream and I gave that to my brother and he crashed it into a bus stop. But then I um, was a bit, s- but then I didn't appreciate that car. I bought another car because it looked cool but it was actually a bit of a pig. It was like a Mazda 433, I don't know, I can't even remember, but it had pop-up lights and that's why I wanted it because it had pop-up lights. So it was just a pig. It leaked oil everywhere and that didn't last very long. And then I ended up with a jelly bean, a Mazda 121, a little burgundy thing and that was quite a sensible car. But somewhere in the, in the midst there of my early car days um, and I was living at home at the time, we got rid of our family car Um, And I don't know if any of you were here the day Tab spoke about her old family car when it rusted and the water came in and there was like mosquito-infested water. Well, we had a family car like that too. It was a Mitsubishi Sigma and it was blue and it had rust 
um, on the ground and if it had been raining then there were literally pools of water on the back seat on the floor and so us kids would kind of leap into the back seat and cross our legs without trying to get our feet in the water and so we got rid of that and then we ended up with a, a Commodore but but dad at this point was going through the ranks through the ranks at Telstra and um, got a got a work car got a work car we were like, hallelujah, we've got a nice car in the family. It's got air conditioning. It had automatic windows, everybody. Back then we didn't have those, did we? We were like, Rrr. and um, so we were celebrating, you know, this is an awesome car. And um, I must have been, I don't know, 20 because my brother also had his license and he was a bit, he's three years younger than me. And this car was beautiful, you know, it was a really nice, powerful Commodore and dad used to let us borrow it now and then and um, what Telstra did and in hindsight probably a little bit of a mistake but they put on the back of all of their fleet cars Telstra values safe driving and a phone number and um, anyway one day you know dad handed over his keys and said you know drive safe drive safe um, and I was going off to uni up the freeway and anyway it just so happened that I was involved in a four-car pile-up on the freeway. I was car number two um, and there were three and four behind me and um, luckily there, didn't, there wasn't too much damage but I was an inexperienced driver in a powerful car and my father handed over the keys that car, um, then my brother borrowed the same car after it had got fixed and um, he took it out for a spin, a very, very fast spin in fact. It was about 110 kilometres an hour in a 60 zone with Telstra values, safe driving and a phone number on the back and you know what happened that night. Someone called in and said, do you value safe driving? Because I've just seen one of your fleet cars doing about 70 k's over the limit through the middle of Fremantle. <laughs> and Dad got in trouble. Dad got in trouble. But who puts that on the back of their car? Tell Shavali, so no one's ever going to do that again. That was crazy. But that's what God, our Father, has done for us. He's handed over the keys of his kingdom to inexperienced, weak people with flaws. And then he's left the building. You know, Moses is a picture of God developing a leader to me. I love reading the story of Moses, how God coaches him to become a leader. And it's like God was teaching him how to use his power and authority on the earth. And when I look through that, I'm like, yeah, God, you really coached Moses in that moment and in that moment. Um, for example, in Exodus 14, 15, God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me, Moses? You tell the people to move on. Um, in Exodus 4 and 4, God says to Moses, Moses, I'm not going to do anything. You reach out your hand and do something. In Exodus 14, 16, Moses is going, how are we going to get across this water? And God says, Moses, you raise your staff and you divide the waters. Because he's given it all. He's put all the authority and all the power and all provision, everything he's got, his Holy Spirit, he's given it all into you, into you, into your life, into your hands for you to appropriate 
the will of God. You do it. Oasis Church, you do it. That's what he's saying. Don't look to me. I've given you everything you need to do my will. You reach your community, Oasis Church. Hey, Oasis Church, you go reach the lost, the broken, the lonely. You go feed people. Hey, Oasis Church, you go put on morning teas and do backyard blitzes. You go bless your community. I've poured it all out. You've got everything you need. And, you know, this morning I just had a quick chat with Helen and she was telling me that she was on the phone to the Auburn Grove Primary School principal this week. And, um, you know, he won principal of the year last year. And um, Helen said, oh, you know, that was my church that came and did that morning tea. And he said, I was blown away. He said, I get shivers up and down my arms thinking about what that church did for us. He said, you should have seen it. And I was like, he must have been looking at my pavlovas when he said that. (laughs) Should have seen it. He said, I cannot even believe that people would do such a thing for us. Oasis Church, you do it. You do it. And this is what church is, right? Church, big C. Sunday, we celebrate everything that God is doing and we get equipped. But Mondays, we go, we leave the building and we go out with the talents that God has entrusted to us and we change the world. Did you know that Sundays aren't the fulfilment of church? They're a very, very small part, one-seventh. There are six other days where we're meant to go out and we're meant to be the church because if it was just about church, we may as well be called churchians, not Christians, because we just rock up on a Sunday. We need to rock up Monday. We need to rock up Tuesday. We need to rock up Wednesday. We need to rock up Thursday with our gifts. Come on, church, we need to rock up Friday. We need to rock up Saturday and we need to rock up Sunday because we're Christians. We're following Jesus Christ. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You know, we're waiting for Jesus to return. Some of us are not sure how we feel about that, but in Titus 2.13 it says that we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. That's our hope. We're looking to that day. But we don't wait with idle hands. We don't wait with our hands under our butts and do nothing because that's what the lazy servant in that story did. He sat down with his hands under his bottom and he did nothing. We don't wait in fear because the signs look scary out there. We are busy about kingdom business. The lazy servant in this parable, he wanted a religion without change and without risk. That's what he wanted. He was like, don't ask me to be one of those radical Christians that carries their faith into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and so on. I don't want to be one of them. I just want to rock up on a Sunday. Don't ask me to love unlovely people. No thanks. Don't ask me to do anything that's out of my comfort zone. I don't want to do that. The lazy servant. The lazy servant refused to trade with what the master had given him. 
And the lazy servant, he lacked care and concern for his master's wealth. Now, some of us just actually need to get that in our spirit today. Are you concerned? Do you care about the master's wealth? Do you care about what he cares about? Do you care about the master's kingdom? Do you care about people? Do you love people? Are you concerned with what he's concerned with? Because he's given you things to use to love people, to change the world that you're in. Now, we've got um, people stepping up in our church all over the place. They're picking up the talents that God has given them and they're using them. You know, Colin and Carolyn aren't here today because they're off preaching at another church this morning, blessing another congregation. But they're coaching all of our small group leaders now. You know, they've picked up their talents and they keep saying yes, 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 yes. And they're doing a phenomenal job at that. Bet Collins, you know, initially when I said, hey, you want to be our creative team leader? She's like, nah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, cool, no worries, no worries, because I know that God moves. And he did. And uh, she came back to me, I don't know, a couple of weeks later. You know, God keeps just putting his finger on me saying this creative thing. And she said, yes. I need to be obedient. And now she's saying things like, I'm putting that to the side because I feel like I really need to focus on creative at Oasis Church. You know, stepping up into big things, saying yes. Johan, stepping up into business ownership. You know, starting small but doing what God has put in his hands to do. He's also just stepped onto our financial board, saying yes, saying yes to things that God is asking him to do. Come on, people. We've got Luke making a massive cross. How big is it? Oh, it's not happened yet, but he's working on it. There's a church in Gosnells out that way that have asked him to put a big church on the top of their roof. And he's doing that right now, using the skills and the abilities that he has, come on, to make a difference, to make a difference. We can do it, to make a difference. So let's do an inventory check today. Have a look on the inside. What do I have in my hands? What do I have in my hands? You know, if you don't know what your inventory is, I'm going to encourage you, do Life Track today. It's 301. You find out about your personality type, your spiritual gifts, your passions. Um, and that's a really good place to start if you don't know. If you've never done 301, you should go and do it today. But what, if, what have you got in your hands right now? Maybe it's one talent. It might be your kids. You're investing in them. You're raising the next generation. You're being faithful with them. That's awesome. Keep doing that and don't feel bad about that. If you've got one talent, if that's your capacity right now, do it. And do it to the best that you can. Faithful is still God's buzzword. Maybe you've got a couple of talents. Maybe you're like the guy who had a bag of two pieces. Maybe you're working a job and you're good at something else. And I want to encourage you, do them both. You don't have to get paid for both. Just because you're not getting money for something doesn't mean it's not worth using. Do them both. If you've got a bag of five talents, if you've got many talents, then use them. 
the grace of God will be there for you to use what he's put in your life. To whom much is given, much is required. That's a scripture. If you've got lots of gifts, you're blessed. Go use them. You know, in our life, we don't want to miss a thing. You know, I'm a teacher. I teach one day a week. I love that. Ewan's a vet. He vets. I don't know what the word is for that. Um, 33 hours a week. He's also studying. He's doing a fellowship right now in small animal surgery because he's got a gift. He's got a passion. Um, We're pastoring this great church called Oasis Church. We're raising leaders right now. We're raising four amazing, awesome children. We're building a house, maybe two. If that sounds hectic, it's because it is. And some days before my feet, when I wake up in the morning before my feet even hit the ground, I'm crying out for grace. God, give me grace. We're moving into a building. Give me grace, God. And he does. We're having the best time doing all of the things that he's put in our lives to do. Amen? I get to. And this is what the faithful servants did they didn't look at they didn't look for more than they were given they were content with what they were given and I want to say to you this morning comparison is an evil trap you need to be content with your one your two your five your ten whatever it is that you have be content with it Stay in your bag of gold. You know, sometimes we say, stay in your lane. Stay in your bag of gold. It's not quite true to say that all men are created equal. Men are created quite unequal. No two of them are alike in their stewardship. No two of us are alike in our face, in our voice, in our fingerprints. No two of us are alike in our gifting, in our personality type. We're not created equal. We're different. So stop comparing. How can, we, how can we use what we've got if we're too busy looking at the person next to them and how they're using what they've got? Because at judgment, it won't be a question of how much or how successful, but how faithful you were with your quantity. How faithful are you with your quantity? You know, the two-talent and the five-talent guy got the same response. From the master. He didn't say to the guy who had five, wow, you're better than the guy who had only two. Well done. He gave them the same response. So it doesn't matter if you've got less than the person next to you. If you're faithful with it, you're going to get the blessing of the master. Well done. Good, faithful servant. You've been faithful with what I gave you. Now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That reward was threefold. He praised them. I want my father to praise me. He promised them. Yep, that's two. He promised them. Hey, because you were faithful to use with what I gave you, I'm going to give you more. He gave them a promise. And then the third thing, he gave them joy. There is joy when we're using the talents that God has given us. He said, enter into your master's happiness. Come on, who wants a little bit more joy in the room this morning? Okay, one of us, that's awesome. Two, okay. 
Come on, raise your hand this morning if you could use a little bit more joy. Thank you. Woo, spirit fingers. So, so they didn't look for more than they were given. They were content. But then also, while they didn't look for more, they knew that if they used what was in their hands, God could increase them. God could increase them and they could end up with more. You know, Ewan wakes up um, just about every morning these days, 6am, and he's got this just little gym that he works on and he's got a laptop and he buys these workouts and he gets up and he's working on the guns and the guns are looking good. Yes, they are. Anyway, he hasn't started off with a body that puts muscle bulk on easily, okay? He's, he's you know, the way God made him is lean and... Um, you know, it's hard. He has to work hard, don't you? Like five, six days a week to put any bulk on. Unlike me, on the other hand, it's quite easy for me to put bulk on. Um, and but we, but you know, when we go away for a week or two weeks, all the muscle that it's taken him weeks and months to build up will leave like that. And that's the same with our gifts. If we don't use what God has given us, He takes them away, and actually He gives them to the people that will use them. So you might be dreaming for more this morning. You might have big goals. You might have vision for your life. The only way to get more is to be faithful with what you have now. Use what you have now and watch God add to you. So I'm way out, way over time. How does that happen? Five quick points. Write these down really quick. I'm not going to um, go on about them. But number one, we've got to be responsible with what God has given us. Number two, we don't give up. Have we got a minute? Because this is hilarious. Oh, I'm just going to show you a quick pep talk video. Would that be all right? This is about not giving up. Can you just um, play that video? Thanks, guys. It'll be worth it, I promise. It'll be worth your time. Just turn it do right out. Just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it. Make your dreams come true. Just do it. Some people dream of success while you're going to wake up and work hard at it. Nothing is impossible. You should get to the point where anyone else would quit, and you're not going to stop there. No, what are you waiting for? Do it. Just do it. Yes, you can. Just do it. If you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. Random, I know. But I felt like he could say things that I couldn't say, right? So there you go. Just do it. Don't give up. Keep going. Number three, it's personal. You're going to give an individual account for the things that God has put in your life. I'm just going to say this because this is important. It's a maths lesson. And I figured out this week that I'm not very good at maths, Joel Colley. But if we look at the three as a group, they were left with eight. When the master came back, they had 17. So as a group, they did quite well. But the master didn't look to them as a group, did he? He looked to them as individuals. 
So I want to say this morning that don't think that you can fly under the radar because the group's doing well. God is looking to you personally. There's an individual account that you will have to make. Number four, deal with your excuses. Deal with them. I've got to tell you, the third servant made an excuse. He made a couple of excuses. Fear was one of them. But, you know, what do you think that God is saying in the midst of this? The servant was afraid. God doesn't say, there, there. There, there, I know your heart. I know you want to, but you are afraid. He said, I'm going to cast you out of here where there is weeping and sorrow and gnashing of teeth. I hate to break it to you, Oasis Church, and I know it sounds hard, but I don't think God cares about your fears. I don't think he cares. I think he's given you everything that you need to enter into wholeness so that you can do the will of God. He's given it all. There is no other cross. There is no other saviour coming to die on the cross. It's, you have it all. There's no excuses for your insecurity. There's no excuses for your past, for your pain, for your fear, for your regret. Deal with them. Number five, have faith. God's given you everything. Take big risks. Follow dreams. Have large expectations about what God might do. Lease big buildings in Jandicott because God is with you. Do you think that I heard a voice saying, go and lease 85 Verde Street so that I can grow my church? No, I did not hear that. We did not hear that. We just went, we know God wants to reach a city. We know God wants to reach a community of people. We know God wants people to get saved, set free, healed, delivered. Come on, we take a big step. And let me tell you, it's a big step. I've got a tight skirt on so I can't reach that far. But if I could, I'd show you how big a big step is. 